Welcome to Struggleberry Crunch with your host, Teriana. Hello, Struggleberries. Welcome to Struggleberry Crunch, a great podcast to help you navigate your life and explore the flavor of your struggle. If you're new here, welcome. I'm your host, Teriana. And today is a particularly exciting episode, especially for me, because we are going to talk about one of my most favorite topics, and that's boundaries. Do you struggle with saying no? Do you find it hard to keep people at a distance when you need your own space? Well, we're going to talk about that all today, specifically relationship boundaries, personal boundaries, and even some special boundaries, you know, like with your money, your time, your energy, and even your pets. Are you ready? Okay, then let's introduce our guest. Today's guest is an entrepreneur, blogger, graphic designer, wife, and dog mom. Born with a rare disability, this guest has a BA in journalism, successful graphic design business, and serves on two nonprofit boards. As a disability advocate and community leader, this guest is still trying to expand her dreams while strengthening her boundaries through her struggles. To all my struggle berries out there, please welcome. Jody Yarborough. Hey, Jody. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. I am glad that you are here. I'm so excited that you're on because we've been talking about this topic for a while, right? Mm-hmm. You ready? Thank you. Yes, I'm very ready. Okay, girl. Well, we're going, we're going to start with relationship boundaries, which I'm so excited to dive into because I think a lot of boundary issues stem from early childhood. And yes. if I'm not mistaken, you know, if you don't really have those strong boundaries starting out in life, it becomes part of your identity later. So in your own words, what do big bouncy boundaries mean to you? Let's see. Big bouncy boundaries means to me knowing yourself well enough to erect guideposts, lines in the sand, pick whatever, you know, metaphor you want that are going to protect you. And you know, I always say, I feel like you have the biggest, bounciest boundaries that I've ever seen. And I always ask you, where can I get a pair of those boundaries? And I also ask, how did you learn them? So did you have a solid foundation of boundaries in your household growing up? No. And I think that's why I developed such a strong set. I grew up in a dysfunctional home of alcoholism and um, passive aggressiveness. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard. Also, as you said in your introduction, I have a disability. So I was put in adult environments at a very young age, even though I would be treated like sometimes at children's hospitals, you know, you're still around mostly all adults. And I had to learn to navigate my sense of self a lot of times in a feeling of quicksand. You know, I almost sunk a lot of times and I got, you know, I got burned a lot of times. My parents would make promises to me. They wouldn't keep, you know, and then you look to friend relationships And yeah, you have your young years where you're like first, second, third grade or like daycare or whatever. That's pretty like neutral little kid stuff. But as you start to grow up and begin get your own sense of independence and sense of self, then you have to start navigating relationships among your peers. Definitely. You know, we're all immature at that age. We don't have the wisdom of any type of depth of things of like context, compassion. Um, You're just like a kid. Like, Mm -hmm. don't steal my toy or 
why are you picking on me? Or why are you talking about me behind my back? Or picking each other on play teams and stuff like that. So I just became kind of a constant observer in all these little micro situations of, okay, I would get in a bad situation. I would get hurt or maybe I would hurt someone else. And then I'd be like, well, that didn't feel good. How can I not do that again? Mm-hmm. And some lessons had to be repeated more than twice, but a lot of them, I kind of stuck with the ones. It's like, what's that phrase? Burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me. I just wasn't in for repeating the same mistakes over and over. And so that is in part how I learned to start to what I now as an adult understand as boundaries. As a kid, it was more like survival. (laughs) Interesting. So you mentioned growing up, you didn't really have the wisdom to lead you in the right direction with establishing those boundaries. So how was setting boundaries for you like in high school? It was hard because, you know, I went through a lot of like peer pressure where, you know, kids were starting to date and maturing and, you know, going and doing things that I couldn't do or wasn't being asked to do. I was kind of in this weird group of like, not the cool kids, but not like the jocks, not the nerds. I was just like in this like weird middle group where people knew me because of my difference. So I wasn't like the invisible kid, but I didn't feel like I was part of the the in crowd. And Mm -hmm. in my high school, that was really important. So I tried to get accepted by doing things that I thought was going to make me popular, trying to host the cool party, trying to sneak kids in, trying, you know, I tried cutting class. I tried forging my mom's signature, all these things. I thought was going to look cool to be able to do all these things. And then it was never enough. The line, like the goalpost would always get moved that boundary would always get blurred. People would tell me, oh yeah, just do this and you're, you're fine. You're cool. And then like the next day I'd show up at school and they were doing the same things, being bullying to me or, Mm -hmm. you know, shit talking me or whatever, not even maybe to my face, but I find out from somebody else. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? Mm -hmm. I did what you said. I tried what you did. I, you know, and it's still not good enough. Mm -hmm. And I think just out of a sheer sense of self-preservation, I started to put up walls. Some people I can get very jaded and very protected. Mm -hmm. I didn't go quite that far. I just really went inward and I focused on what I could and like to do and look to the people who I, even if it was just one or two friends, Mm -hmm. you know, if I wanted 50 friends, I still had two friends. So I was like, let me just look to these two friends who I do trust and kind of forget the rest. That's really powerful because I think a lot of us, especially in high school, we still hold on to that that kind of mentality in our adult life. Like we want to be accepted. We want we care what people think. And it really obstructs our boundaries. You mentioned dating. And I want to read something from one of my favorite articles from your blog, Love Disabled Life. It's called Flirting with My Identity as a Disabled Woman. And it's a quote that you had. It says, as I like to explain it, I didn't date in high school because the boys didn't know what to do with me. And then I didn't date in college because I didn't know what to do with them. So how were boundaries for you like in relationships? Like, how did that get established, especially with you um, having to explain your disability? Or I don't know if people were approaching you because they were just curious or they felt bad. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the short answer is there didn't have to be a lot of boundaries because the the situations didn't really exist. Mm-hmm. So I learned a lot from my friends watching them date. 
I was kind of like a little sponge and I would just soak up seeing what they were going through or what they would share with me. So I kind of like live vicariously through them in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I just developed as a human being. So even though I didn't date in high school and then I chose not to date in college, you know, sometimes I wonder about if there were opportunities that were missed out on, but I, I think it was kind of maybe a blessing in disguise too, because it was like, I kind of leapfrogged. Mm-hmm. It's like, I still learned, I still grew as a person. I still matured. I still had to navigate family relationships, work relationships, all these other things, but the dating and intimate relationship side. Um, and I think that's the thing people who are maybe late bloomers, I would want to reassure them that it's never too late, right? As long as you're still evolving as a human, that last piece, as much as your heart might ache for it, when the right person comes along, you will be ready. You just will. And you may not think you will be, but you will. And so by the time I met Andrew, my husband, and I was in my mid-20s, you know, sure, we still had things we had to navigate in our own personal relationship. But I felt like as long as we had the foundation of friendship, Yep. which was a core value for me back to learning all those lessons in high school, like we would be okay. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't focus on what I didn't have during those years. And then when it came, I all those boundary-ish things that I had in my life, I just applied to our relationship. Or, you know, we talked through it in communication and all those things. I love that. I really do. And I think it's really hard, especially for young women um, nowadays and even, you know, just of all ages and men too, to really understand that friendship is a type of powerful boundary. And if if someone can prove that they can be your friend, then they can go to the next level and maybe be other things to you as well. You know what I mean? So I think that that is, yeah, it's just, it's a hard pill to swallow because people want to jump right into that intimate setting. And it really does mess up a balance to a stronger core of a relationship. And I'm curious about this. So now that you're in your forties, are there any boundaries that you regret not setting in your early twenties or twenties in general, or even thirties girl, like lay it on us. (laughs) Um, no, I would say not. I mean, and that's kind of the blessing for all the pain and angst and hurt that I had in the, you know, late teens, early twenties, um, my own little mini quarter life crisis, having gone through all that prepared me, it gave me my toolkit for adulthood. And so I think some of these little things were always nuggets inside of me, but I can absolutely say right now where I'm standing today, you know, I'm not a people pleaser. I don't have those issues. I don't give up. Am I allowed to curse on your podcast? You know, if it has intention, go for it. (laughs) I was just going to say, you know, I'm not a people pleaser. I don't really give a fuck. I don't care what people think about me. I don't um, have any of those hangups. And that's not to say that I don't have maybe little insecurities here and there about things. But I also know everybody has insecurities about themselves. So that's just a part of the human condition. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those early experiences of of developing those boundaries really laid the groundwork for I like to think of myself as a pretty, you know, healthy, well-balanced, I'm not perfect. I'm always learning. I'm always growing, always testing my own boundaries um, because like people still come at me. I just had experience recently with my sister where I had to practice a boundary and thankfully it went well, but I, I don't really struggle with any of those issues. 
people should know that you are one of the the few people that I've met that I can see how healthy you are, like not just physically, but like mentally, like just I love our boundaries in our relationship. And I've never thought I would say that I love the boundaries that we have in our relationship and and where we stand and how far we go and and what's off limits and what's not. It just it feels like more freedom than restriction. I think some people take boundaries as restriction. Now that we're adults, I'm curious about the disabled community and how they navigate boundaries with the public. And because I don't know a lot about this, but I've learned a lot through you. Can you share some stories from the community that will shine light on this issue? Sure. So with disability, boundaries can be hard topic to navigate because we, I like to use the word interdependence. Some people like the word independence. I mean, I don't, there's nothing wrong with independence, but I prefer interdependence because oftentimes a disabled person might need some sort of assistance. And, you know, as a strong, independent, proud, disabled woman myself, I don't see that as as a negative or a shortcoming. You know, I think what you just said earlier about boundaries being freedom, I think when disabled people recognize their limitations, it actually frees them more. And that's a really hard mental construct for a lot of disabled people to understand and non-disabled because, you know, there's still a huge stigma with disability in our culture. And I think in the world, say I'm going to the grocery store and this is just a common example and uh, a non-disabled person comes up to me and wants to open the door. That's a form of like boundary, right? They're wanting to be polite. And this is a very minor example, but they're assuming that I want help and I may not want help. Now, most times people will ask. Sometimes I'll say, yes, thank you. Sometimes I'll say, no, I'm okay. And right there, that was a boundary exchange. Um, Where somebody might cross that boundary is if you say, no, I'm okay, and they do it anyway. That's, you're actually disempowering me. I've, you know, and, and and then the question is, would you have done that if that person wasn't disabled? Probably not. So just, it gets complicated because of all the um, societal conditioning Mm -hmm. That has been done both for disabled people and non-disabled people. Another example is, you know, say a person uses a wheelchair. That is an extension of themselves. And it should be perceived as such. You know, some of this is kind of etiquette stuff. Like a non-disabled person or anybody actually shouldn't just go and like lean up against the wheelchair or go to grab it or whatever. Because that's more of a physical boundary, but also blends into a you know, a mental or interpersonal boundary. It's like, that's my space. It'd be no different if somebody came up to you, just wanted to like start to carry your shopping bags or, you know, take not mug, but like take your purse or mm-hmm. you'd be like, what, why, why are you doing this? I got it. You know, I'm fine. Another good example is like uh, unwanted compliments when people think they're doing you a, a favor. Like for me, it's um, people saying you're so brave for coming out that way. Yes. Oh, yes. We, we in the disability community hear it all the time. Like, oh, you're so brave. Oh, I can't imagine you, you know, doing what you do. Oh, um, way to go. I mean, it's just that just gets very tiring and almost sometimes comical because, you know, we're just living life. Mm-hmm. Um, that brings me to ask, what are your personal boundaries when you're going out in public? And um, how do you address people who cross those boundaries with you? Well, due to the pandemic, I haven't been going out much. 
But I can say before that, when we were, you know, going out more and traveling, people have told me, and I don't really know if this is true or not, but that I, and I think it's somewhat true because I haven't had a lot of bad experiences. So people have told me I kind of have this aura of like, don't mess with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some people say I exude a strong sense of self-confidence. Um, maybe bitchy. I don't know. Um, I'm okay with that. So mostly when the interactions have been positive, you know, I'm grocery shopping and I can't reach the butter. I'll get up on my scooter and get it myself. But, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes somebody can also sense maybe she needs some help and maybe I don't feel like getting up on my scooter that day. And they'll say, oh, can I help you get the butter? And I'll say, sure. Great. Thanks. Um, but then other times I want to get it myself. So I say, you know, uh, no, I'm fine. Thank you. I guess what has irritated me the most is when people like mess with my scooter. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time, um, and at the time I didn't get really upset about this because it was a party atmosphere and we wanted to have fun. But my husband and I went out for New Year's Eve. This was years ago. And I can get up off my scooter and walk. So um, we were out on the dance floor. And normally what I would do is I would park it kind of off to the side and I would take the key with me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I go out dancing and do whatever I want to do. And then when we're ready to go, I'll go back to my scooter. Well, this guy, like drunk, this is again, New Year's Eve party. (laughs) He basically passes out on my scooter. He goes and sits down. Yes. He goes and sits down. Not like just totally clueless. I guess he was so out of it. And he proceeds to fall asleep. And I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? Okay, that's just not cool. That's funny. And, Jody, um, you got us bit you laughed about it later, right? Oh, totally. I mean, even in the moment, I was like, what the fuck? Thankfully, he either was woken up by one of the bouncers or woke up or whatever. He moved on his own. I did not have to interact with him at all. But um, he was gone by the time we were ready to leave. But I would still say, like, yeah, anything with like my scooter, like people wanting to touch it, drive. Oh, when I'm into a restaurant, because people think they can just like pick it up and move it like it's a stroller mm-hmm. and you can't do that. It's way too heavy. And so I get kind of irritated when wait staff think like they want to manhandle it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, you know, because you could break it. And this is like something I depend on for my mobility. You break this. What are you going to carry me everywhere I want to go? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so don't touch. Don't you know, touch. Don't, don't touch. I'm like, just tell me what you want and I'll go move it. How have your personal boundaries evolved over time with your family? You know, as I became less physically able, I had to kind of retrain my family members because I grew up in a home that was not modified for me. I'm a short statured person. I stand at about four feet tall and we never had step stools. We lived in a two-story house. Even when I had all my back surgeries, um, because I have scoliosis, like nothing was ever modified. But as I started to get older, I couldn't walk as long distances. Um, I just had more physical problems. And so I had to like say to my parents, like, hello, I'm disabled here. Like they had like kind of forgotten or something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I was like, so when I like got 16 and I got my license and I was like, well, I'm going to get a disabled placard, you know, parking placard. And my dad was like, what? Like, why do you need that? I'm like, hello, (laughs) because I can't walk the three miles that you like to walk across the parking lot. But I never let their issues become my issues. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is me and you need to deal with it. 
because I'm the most important person. And I know that sounds really arrogant coming out of like my mouth, but I've always had just such a strong sense of self. My mom used to say to me, and I know this might sound morbid, but she was like, you're born alone and you die alone. So you better be okay with what's in the middle. Mm -hmm. And that's always stuck with me. No one else is living this human experience but me. And I'm not going to allow you, whether you're my husband, you're my father, my best friend, some random Joe on the street to, to dictate to me how I'm going to live my life, period. And I'll go to great lengths to, to communicate, to have, um, to put work in the relationships, to make them serve me as much as they're serving you. But at the end of the day, I just have to be true to who I am as a person and my values and my expectations. I second that. And that's what I'm trying to do in my life um, as well. And that's what I, I admire about you and what I I learn from you every day is putting yourself first and not being ashamed of it. So going into special boundaries, you know, things like our pets, our money, our time and our energy, those kinds of boundaries that things that we've kind of created over our over time um, that people feel like they have access sometimes to. And we set those boundaries, too. So as a dog mom, how do you feel when people try to pet your dog or greet your dog without acknowledging you? Don't do to others as you wouldn't like be done to you. And if you're really clueless because you're not a pet person, then probably you wouldn't be coming up to a pet anyway. But just don't make assumptions. You know, again, my dog is it's like my kid. So I think most people would agree not to parent each other's children without any kind of permission. So trust me to control my dog. How do you handle people when they ask you for money? It depends how much. I have a very generous heart. It depends who's asking. So I I can't just off the cuff say yes or no. It depends. Because I have been one of the people to give money to street, you know, uh, handlers. Because I do feel that people are really struggling right now. And yeah, they may be a total scammer and take my $5 and go, you know, do whatever with it. But they also may really go buy some food. And so how I look at it is like, if I have the $5 to give, I give it with good intention, say a little hope that it's going for the right thing and then move on. And then with friends or family, I just do the best I can. And it's again, all back to intention. You do have a big heart. I know that for a fact. And because you have such a big heart, how do your boundaries today look when it comes to your time and energy? Oh, it's still a balance. That's where I say I'm still growing and learning and I've just gotten very choosy. And I feel like, again, back to the saying no and putting limits might sound limiting, but it's actually freeing. So if I'm in a board meeting and there's like a new project or initiative coming up, I out the gate say, I I don't have time for this. Mm -hmm. I don't have bandwidth for this. I support it. I love it. I want to, you know, support y'all doing it, but I just can't. Because I've put myself too many positions where I've said yes and then regretted it, not being able to fulfill my commitment, let other people down, all these bad things. So it's like you have this whole list of negative things where I said yes because it sounded right, or I just say no and I don't have that long list. And nine times out of 10, this is what I think people don't realize too, is the other side appreciates that candor. They would rather you say no than show up bitchy grumpy or half-assed. That's what they want. So just give the people what they want. (laughs) 
totally <laughs> give them what they want and everybody will be happy. So Jody, we're getting down to the um, the closing. And before we do get into the closing, the rapid fire questions, I just want to leave the audience with a special exclusive tip about setting boundaries in 2022 from you. And uh, the question I have, if you can give a tip on is how do we have a tough conversation with a family member um, or friend or someone that's really close to us where we need to set up a boundary? For me, I always come from a place of love and compassion. And I try to set up the conversation for success. Not really like, you know, smooth talking or, you know, trying to be slick, but really, you know, pointing out real positives and things I appreciate in the relationship. But then I say, but this, this isn't working for me. And this is why it's not working for me. And is there anything, because every relationship is a negotiation and a compromise. So what can we do to negotiate or compromise the situation? And a lot of how the success of the conversation goes and the new boundary is going to be in how they receive it. And they either receive it well or they don't. And I think that right there is your answer. As the great Maya Angelou said once, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. Amen, sister. I I totally agree. Amen to the fullest. And do you have any upcoming projects or events or any way that people can contact you? JodyArbro.com. And lovedisabledlife.com. Yeah, there's a link on there too. I'm kind of like trying to put all my little projects on jodyarborough.com. So at least you can link out to different things through there. Awesome, Jody. Okay, we're heading into our rapid fire questions. They're five questions, five seconds or less. Are you ready? Yes. Awesome. Okay, question number one. One word to describe your 20s into 30s. Roller coaster. Which book should every young adult read? He's just not that into you. What is one piece of advice that you received from a mom, dad, or mentor? Love yourself. What does success mean to you? Being happy. And the question that everyone waits for at the end of the podcast, what is the current flavor of your struggle with boundaries? Butterscotch. Why? Because it's sweet but strong. I love that. Oh my goodness. These answers just keep getting better and better as the season goes on. And I'm so grateful that you joined us today, Jody. You are welcome back anytime, my sister. And I can't wait to see how we grow in 2022. To all the struggle berries out there, thank you for listening. I encourage you to continue to brace these problems, find solutions, and take action for real this time. Please leave a comment, subscribe, share, anything you can do to support. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you again, Jody Yarbrough. Bye. Bye. Thank you.